Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Really glad you're with us for the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We trust you had a good weekend and hopefully you found time yesterday to reflect and uh, honor those who have paid the full sacrifice for the freedoms we enjoy every day. Uh, We do have... Two good martinis today to start our, our week. Uh, two good martinis and a crazy. Uh, Jim, let's begin with the good. And I feel like this is shades of Wisconsin in the early days of Scott Walker uh, with the Democratic tactics here. But uh, the Republican majorities in Texas and Governor Abbott want to pass voter integrity legislation. And of course, the Democrats, just like they did in Georgia, are calling it racist and Jim Crow 2.0 and on and on and on. And so the Democrats have just left. And so they weren't able to actually pass the legislation because the Democrats weren't there to uh, keep the session moving forward. And now Texas Governor Greg Abbott is threatening to withhold their pay. He says no pay for those who abandon their responsibilities, which, as Jim will explain in a little bit, isn't as significant monetarily as you might think. But, uh, Jim, we're talking about legislation which would do absolutely draconian things like uh, prohibiting temporary polling places in tents. So uh, no drive-through voting when there's not a pandemic, essentially. Uh, They will set times dictating when polling places can be open. I know that's uh, just radical. Uh, It'll be a Class B misdemeanor for an election official to knowingly refuse to accept a poll watcher for service, and they would have to sign an oath attesting they won't disrupt the voting process or harass voters. There needs to be a paper trail for all votes. Uh, There needs to be a um, requirement to uh, explain your disability if you're voting on the grounds that you have to vote Uh, remotely due to a disability, Uh, and it would make it a a felony for a public official to solicit the submission of an application to vote by mail from a person who did not request them, because some states just did send those out to absolutely everybody, including Michigan uh, last year, as, as we pointed out. And I got one at my mom's house, even though I haven't lived in Michigan for over two decades. So, Jim, uh, what do you make of the Democratic tactics here? And what do you make of Greg Abbott's response? There are two separate you know, problems here. The first is, if you don't like the Texas bill, fine, but be honest about it. Uh, maybe the most controversial provision in there is that it does allow voting on Sundays, but it says you can't start voting on Sundays until 1 p.m. Uh, now, it says polls can't be open any later than 9 p.m., so theoretically, a polling place could be open on Sunday for eight hours. That seems like a lot of time. Greg, I don't know about you. My first thought was, hmm, what happens at one o'clock on Sundays? Uh, my guess is yeah, NFL games. So maybe they want uh, Dallas Cowboy fans to stay home uh, from early voting on Sundays. Maybe they want Houston Texan fans. I'm just kidding. There are no such thing as Houston Texan fans. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, maybe this is some sort of effort. You can complain. You can say this is uh, specious. You can say it's an effort to hinder souls to the polls efforts by african-american churches and it can hinder yeah okay i guess but you could still vote early on sundays after 1 p.m if you're trying to stop people from voting on sundays this law is a terrible way of doing it if you're allowing polls to be open for eight hours on sundays then you're not really restricting voting on sundays uh you know we can argue about whether it's it's necessary you know you want them open at nine o'clock in the morning or something like that but I, I, the fact that they open at one o'clock does not strike me as justifying the democratic rhetoric that this is Jim Crow 2.0 and other like wildly hyperbolic denunciations of this. And the Democrats clearly want this 
legislation to be seen as draconian and scary and, and suppressing the right to vote and, and all the things we've been hearing. The other thing is, is that I went back in today's morning jolt and you know, if this does sound familiar to you, well, in fact, this happened in Texas back in 2003. I think the first case you can argue, significant case in the modern era would be Oregon back in 2001 back when it was a group of House, uh, state House Democrats who were uh, leaving and were refusing to attend the chamber so that there could be a quorum. Uh, there was the leader of the, uh, the Oregon Democrats in the state Senate named Kate Brown said that that was uh, perfectly fine, perfectly fair, and perfectly justified given the circumstances. This was over a redistricting bill. Fast forward to say 2019, and Kate Brown is now the Democratic governor of Oregon. And in fact, it's uh, the Republicans in the state legislature who are trying to stay away and uh, do that. And Kate Brown calls out the state troopers on them and says there's absolutely unacceptable. <laughs> this is abandoning your duties to democracy, blah, blah, blah. So it, you know, your view on whether it's okay for a minority party in a state legislature to leave the, leave the chamber, leave the Capitol, or leave the state generally depends entirely on which party's doing it. Uh, that's kind of the argument we saw in Wisconsin back in 2011. They tried it in Oregon back then too. I feel like there's at least one other case. But we've seen Republicans do it more recently in Oregon. We've seen Democrats do it before then. And it's one of those things where, like, look, if you want to say this is nonsense, you should stay in the state capitol, you should do your duty. Okay, I think that's fine. I also think you should support the filibuster in that circumstance. And both of these are methods used by the minority party to say, look, we don't like what you guys are going to try to pass. We don't have the votes to stop it. This is what we're going to do. Now, if you, want, if you don't want the filibuster, okay, just recognize that there's a quorum in the Senate, too. And by the, by the way, you know, if you're going to try to get rid of the filibuster, trying to do it when you have a 50-50 split is just about the dumbest scenario I could possibly imagine. <laughs> um, because you could end up on the losing on the, on the in the minority party after the next midterm, or even if somebody keels over, God forbid. So it's uh, kind of ridiculous here. Uh, I also would note that I, I, I applaud Greg Abbott for saying this is it. This is nonsense. Come back, do your jobs. And he says he's going to shut off their salaries. We should point out that's not enormously a financial threat because they get paid 600 bucks a month. Uh, being a legislator in Texas is supposed to be a part-time gig. It's not supposed to be how you make your living. They do get 217 bucks, I think, as a per diem, which is... But think about it, when your per diem is like a third of your monthly salary, that's actually pretty nice. Uh, and he says they're going to call him back for a special session. So it's likely that this legislation is delayed, not deterred. Um, but there's this blatant, ridiculous contradiction in Democratic arguments on this versus the filibuster. Uh, we'll see how things shake out. But basically, the attitude of Democrats is um, our guys should be allowed to stop what's about to be passed by any way possible, but Republicans in the Senate should not be allowed to stop what's about to be passed by any way possible. It's, you know, they refuse to live by a single standard, uh, no matter the circumstances. Different tactics, but I believe this is how um, Wendy Davis rose to prominence with the little pink sneakers on the abortion legislation and ran out the clock on the on the regular session. And then I think it was Rick Perry, who was governor at that time, uh, just called the special session and, and they passed the legislation anyway. So uh, it's it's a good way to get attention, but it's 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 not likely to actually stop this from becoming law. So apparently, Jim, before we had early voting, it must have been super duper racist because if you were having a big fight over. Uh, Sunday voting hours. <laughs> uh, I guess. I guess we we're in a slightly different place than we were uh, not that long ago. Clearly, if you're arguing about what hours it should be open on Sunday, well, clearly early voting is then permitted. 
<laughs> you know, it's not like, well, no early voting. Everybody's got to show up on Election Day. So Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, uh, as long as there's craziness going on there, you want to protect uh, the right to vote. You want to make sure that nobody's cheating. You know what else you want to protect? Your Internet activity. Does it actually make sense that the same company who controls half of online retail also just passively eavesdrops on your private conversations at home? Yeah, it happens. What about the idea that a single company controls 90% of internet searches, runs your email service, uh-oh, uh, gets to track everything you do on your smartphone? Big tech is more powerful than most countries are, and they profit by exploiting your personal data. It's time to put a layer of protection between your online activity and these tech juggernauts, and that's why you need to get ExpressVPN. You know, Greg, it just dawned on me as you're reading that. Google, Amazon, all these other big companies... They don't even need to go to a FISA court now, do they? <laughs> no, they don't. Of course, you know. Now, of course, you know, we've, we've seen what an enormous roadblock the FISA court can be for law enforcement when it wants to listen to something. But that's another story. You know, think about how much of your life is on the Internet. Sadly, every site you visit, every video you watch, every message you send gets tracked and data mined. But when you ex run ExpressVPN on your device, the software hides your IP address something that big tech can use to personally identify you. So ExpressVPN makes your activity harder to trace and sell to advertisers. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your internet data to keep you safe from hackers and eavesdroppers on your network. And ExpressVPN does all of this without slowing your connection. That's why it's rated the number one VPN service by CNET and Wired. What you'll like most about ExpressVPN is how easy it is to use. Just download the app onto your phone or computer, tap one button, and you are protected. And for the technically challenged, that's about as easy as it gets. So stop handing over your personal data to the big tech monopoly that mines your activity and sells your information. Protect yourself with the VPN you can trust to keep you safe online. Visit expressvpn.com slash martini. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash martini to get three months of protection for free. Again, go to expressvpn.com slash martini right now to learn more. All right, Jim, on to the second good martini. And Jim, I would almost call this the Jim Garrity good martini because you're having the chance here to say, I told you so, uh, a lot as the, uh, the mainstream media and some other people on the left are shocked that there's uh, a, a second or maybe third or beyond look at the possibility that coronavirus did not come naturally from animal to human transmission, but it may have actually leaked from one of the uh, laboratory institutes in Wuhan. In fact, uh, the Occam's razor, as you say, certainly looks to be headed in that direction. And so the Biden administration is taking a closer look at this. Uh, the media, including a lot of folks on the left, are as well. And the issue came up on ABC's This Week program. And Martha Raddatz saying, Jonathan Carl, do a lot of people now have egg on their face because they dismissed this last year? And Jonathan Carl admits yes while attacking Trump at the same time. I think a lot of people have egg on their face. This was an idea uh, that, that was first put forward by Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State, Donald Trump. And look, some things may be true even if Donald Trump said them. And there was because Trump was saying so much else that was just out of control and because he was, uh, you know, making a, a, a frankly racist appeal talking about Kung flu and, and the China virus, his notion that, that, that put forward that this may have 
or that he said flatly that this, this came from that lab, was widely dismissed. But actually, there's some real reason. We don't know, by the way. We still don't know. We absolutely don't know. Uh, but now serious people are saying it needs a serious inquiry. There's a lot of admission and butt covering all at the same time in there. But I do want to thank Jonathan Carl for not only giving us the fodder for our second good martini, but also foreshadowing our third martini here, Jim. Uh, so what do you make of him essentially saying, yeah, a lot of people do have egg on their face. Uh, we essentially dismiss this because uh, President Trump was calling it the China virus. Yeah. Hang on a second. Greg. You, hear that? Uh, you hear that noise? That's me moving my soapbox into position uh, <laughs> that I'm going to get up on and preach from. Uh, so, okay, so actually, you know, actually, I spilled coffee as I did that, which is not good. But anyway, so the, the three observations, I, I'm glad I'm hearing this. I'm glad that people are saying, hey, we really dismissed this last year. We shouldn't have done it. We, we poo-pooed it. We were skeptical. Um, the, New, the New Republic wrote a whole article about how bizarre it was that seemingly normal me was uh, leading the charge on this. And by the way, I, I was one of many, many people. Uh, I should point out, I should not take all the, I, I, you know, other, lots of other people should be joining me in this, if not vindication uh, victory lap, then let's some sort of, you know, uh, recognition that uh, how erroneous this was. But I, I, the next step is to say, I and mean, we kind of see Jonathan Carl get into this, you know, why did we make this mistake? What, what was wrong? And that he acknowledges one is some people just had this reflexive partisan dismissal, the idea that by golly, uh, if Donald Trump and Tom Cotton and guys like that are saying it, it must be a lie. It must not be true. It must be some kooky, crazy conspiracy theory. Uh, if you thought that way, don't. And I extend this to folks on our side of the aisle. It's conceivable that someday Bernie Sanders will be right about something. It is conceivable that somebody someday is going to say something. Hey, you know, this is something we should, uh, we should examine. And we should examine it based on the merits and examine it based on the evidence and what they bring to the table and what, you know, what can be independently verified. And we'll see if it's true. And, uh, you know, from the very beginning, there's been a whole bunch of stuff about the Wuhan Institute of Virology that certainly emitted an odor and certainly seemed like a remarkable series of coincidences if you believe in the zoonotic theory that it just hopped from an animal to a person at somewhere in China and with the, the not one but two labs in the city that are researching coronaviruses found in bats had nothing to do with it. But maybe we still don't know. We still can't completely eliminate that. As you said, it's Occam's razor, this sense of the scenario of what would have to happen for it to have no connection to either of those labs seems like it's getting uh, heart tougher and tougher to believe. Particularly, I think a lot of this was triggered by the Wall Street Journal's report. Three researchers at the Wuhan Institute of Virology were hospitalized with, you know, something they don't know whether it was COVID-19 or seasonal illnesses. By the way, seasonal illnesses very rarely put you in the hospital for a couple of days. Um, you know, that's the, that's one of those things that makes it really tough to believe that those two things are completely undisconnected. Um, if you disbelieve the lab leak theory because you believe things the Chinese government says, please get your head examined. I suspect you've taken some sort of severe blow to the head and you're now seeing uh, coming to, to, you know, completely illogical conclusion. Then there's a third one that I've seen in a lot of the scientific journals and I, I almost, I relate to it. I understand it. I still think it's wrong, however. And you see various scientists here in the United States and across the Western world uh, looking at this and saying, well, now this couldn't really be true because we know those Chinese scientists, we've met them at conferences, we've you know, read their research papers, they're good folks and they just wouldn't lie about this. 
And I think scientists like want to believe one, that they're good and noble people, that they're trying to help the world by understanding the world better. And they put out their information after the world. And they like to believe that scientists in other countries are the same. Now, here's the thing. We don't know. We can't look inside the souls of all those people who work at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. I, I suspect they are um, good people in, in, in the sense they don't, probably wouldn't, don't want to lie. They probably don't want to hide some sort of crucial error from the truth. Other than the, I think, this you know, fairly universal human instinct that when we make a really bad mistake, it's always easier to try to cover it up. It's always try, you try, try to hope nobody notices. It's always easier to do that. Nobody wants to say... Yeah, it was me. I didn't check the samples that day to make sure they were neutralized. I think I came home with with a virus. I stopped at the seafood market on the way home to pick up some shrimp or whatever. And that's how this, like nobody wants to be the person who says, yeah, I'm the one who set off this global pandemic that's killed so many people. Um, I don't know, you know, the suspicion is we all know how the Chinese government works in every other aspect of life. They are authoritarian, they are totalitarian. And if you come out, you stand up against the Chinese government, they will get you, right? They will they will shut you down, both uh, in terms of your career and in terms of your prospects. They'll go after your family. They will arrest you. They'll trump up these charges. Remember, Dr. Lee Wen Lang, the first doctor who was trying to warn people, saying, whoa, uh, this is coming up from patients. I think this is really serious. This could be the next SARS. You know, they dragged him into the police station and told, you know, told, uh, pressed him charges against him for spreading rumors. This is kind of how the Chinese government operates. And so the question is, is there somewhere in the Wuhan Institute of Virology some other Li Wenlang, some other doctor out there who knows the story and who would love to tell the world and who would like to say, yeah, we made a mistake and ended up being a really consequential one. But he's terrified of saying it because of what the Chinese government would do to him. So there's that aspect of this whole dynamic. So I think if you're a scientist here in the West, you have to recognize a scientist over there in China is operating under very different rules and operating under very different pressures. And I don't think you can say, well, they're good people. I just don't think they would lie. Authoritarian regimes force people to lie. Authoritarian regimes force people to do things that they know are not right and not you know, the right thing to do because you all, everything is subservient to the whims of the state. So that's what I think is going on there. I'm glad Jonathan Carl made this statement. I'd like kind of a kind of a deeper exploration of this. I, I have a sneaking suspicion, though, Craig, that like they, they feel like they've done their contrition and now it's time to go back to our old habits. Yeah, the apology section is not a long one and it's usually uh, buried at the bottom of, uh, you know, section D53 or something like that. But uh, a lot of soul searching could be done here on a lot of different levels. And of course it won't be. Uh, but let's talk about ways to get comfortable with uh, your pillows. MyPillow is the way to go. We've talked about many of their different products, but uh, the MyPillow is the original, and it's a great product. Uh, I've been using it since before they were a sponsor. Uh, there's no pillow I enjoy better. Uh, it's great support and very comfortable as well. And now the good news is that you can refresh the pillows of every room in your house because the premium MyPillow is at its lowest price ever. Their current offer is that for a limited time, you can get a queen-size premium MyPillow for just $29 and 98 cents. And a king pillow is just $5 more. Now these premium pillows never go flat and they give you the best night's sleep every night. They're made in the United States, they have a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. 
So go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener's Square, enter the promo code MARTINI, or call 1-800-874-0104. Now, while you're there, take advantage of the deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets and the new My Slippers. Get your premium MyPillow today for only $29.98, but only with our promo code MARTINI. So call 800-874-0104 or visit MyPillow.com today. All right, Jonathan Carl was just talking about how horrible it was that uh, Trump and others referred to it as the China virus. I don't know that Trump himself referred to it as Kung Flu. He might have. Somebody in the White House certainly did. I know that was a big controversy at one point. But uh, the World Health Organization, Jim, uh, did not like to call it that. And we were just joking, I think last week, about how it was okay to call it the UK variant, the Brazilian variant, the South African variant, but we still can't call it the Wuhan flu or the Wuhan virus or anything like that. Well, to make things consistent, the World Health Organization has now told us we can't do that either. And I'm sure the media will dutifully comply. This is from Fox News. The WHO rolled out a new naming system for tracking COVID-19 variants that the agency says creates, quote, easy to pronounce and non-stigmatizing labels for the new mutations. Going forward, the agency will use the letters of the Greek alphabet when discussing the variants rather than Pango lineage, scientific names, or by referring to them by the country they were detected in, which the WHO says is stigmatizing and discriminatory. Quote, while they have their advantages, these scientific names can be difficult to say and recall and are prone to misreporting. Jim, it's so hard to say Wuhan. It's so hard to say China. I know people are just going to get totally tongue-tangled because, uh, you know, Ebola is uh, much easier to say for some reason. So uh, what do you make of uh, the WHO covering itself in glory again here? So just to get this clear, in order to avoid confusion, they're going to use a system that uses the, the labels beta, theta, zeta, and eta. <laughs> Yeah, there's no way that gets confusing. You know, it's like, great, instead of learning geography, now we're all going to sound like we're being attacked by a bunch of fraternities. Um, the only, by the way, what are they going to do when they come to the 14th letter of the Greek alphabet, which is Z, spelled X I? <laughs> Can <laughs> yeah, we start on that? Observe, one? Like, a, like that's the same, you know, uh, the Chinese leader. Boy, that, that'll roll over well in China. I'm sure they'll love this. is a huge improvement from where they're sitting. Look, the one advantage of the geographic label, I, you, you can call them anything. Like we, we, let's say way we call hurricanes, right? You know, hurricanes just get labeled names. There's nothing scientific about, they're, they're just mutations of a virus. So there's really not like there's any, any uh, uh, you know, you could call it Harry and Floyd if you wanted to or something like that. That said, the geographic is, at least you know where it origin from. It, t- it tells you one thing, telling you, ah, you know, did you hear about, uh, did you hear about Harry? He got, he got the beta virus. You know, your first thought is that he's just not that masculine. Um, or, you know, uh, oh, did you hear about, uh, uh, you know, oh, you heard about, you know, uh, Hank got the Omnic- Omicron virus. That, that sounds really rough. You know, that, that's pretty, uh, pretty brutal there. You know, uh, I guess if somebody gets the Omega virus, that sounds really frightening and, and scary. You know, that sounds like a pretty decent thriller novel there. You know, uh, also, if you're in, if it's down in, um, uh, Mexico and they're working with the cartels. If somebody got the Zeta virus, could that lead to confusion? <laughs> uh, no, oh, it, uh, oh, just just to hand it to me. Uh, sad news uh, out of the Marvel universe. Uh, Bruce Banner has been found tested positive for the Gamma virus. <laughs> Who could have saw, saw that coming? 
No, it's uh, fun. I mean, you could be in late stage hurricane season where if you have a particularly active season, they also go to the Greek letters. So you could be suffering from, you know, Delta while you're suffering meteorologically from Epsilon or something like that. I mean, it could be very, very confusing. Somebody's going to turn this into a meme, perhaps, Jim. But I'm just uh, imagining some scientists bursting in and talking about how they're concerned about a particular variant. And it's going to be like the opening of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, where young Indy bursts into his father's study as he's studying the Holy Grail, of course. And he's trying to explain that he's just swiped the cross of Coronado. And his father says, count to 10. So he starts counting to 10 in English. And his father puts up a finger and says, in Greek. Going to have to go through all the uh, Greek letters of the alphabet to explain which variant he's talking about. So uh, it's a good excuse to watch Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. But, uh, Jim, the WHO, no matter matter how long this uh, plays out, they just look worse and worse the whole time. Yeah, call me crazy. This is going to be the fetch of scientific labeling. (laughs) Stop trying to make fetch happen. It's just not going to catch on. It's just not going to happen. If they find it in, like, Madagascar, they're going to call it the Madagascar virus. I hate to tell you this, guys. Particularly prevalent amongst animated circus animals. Yes, yes. You can be as woke as you want, but uh, reality is still going to intrude. Jim, good to be back with you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for your patience. Uh, Also, for those of you Apple subscribers, hopefully we'll have good news for you soon. In the meantime, you can uh, subscribe and follow along and and get the latest episodes at Ricochet and Spreaker and iHeart and a lot of different places, Spotify. Um, And so uh, please uh, leave your uh, kind reviews and your five-star ratings. We're always grateful for those. Get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch Podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim. Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a good Tuesday and please join us on Wednesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. We are living in difficult times where people fear having thought-provoking conversations about pressing issues. And although we're in the midst of an information explosion, there are a lot of forces aiming to distort what's true. I created the Bill Walton Show to provide a forum for in-depth, thought-provoking conversations with leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and thinkers. Please join me at thebillwaltonshow.com to explore what's true, what's right, and what's next.